0: Scripture that can be found on the inside of the bulletin. This is Luke 6, 1 through 11. And it speaks about a controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees regarding the Sabbath. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. A man with a withered hand, uh, that's the title for the second healing. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. The word of the Lord. Well, you know, I want to talk a little bit about holidays. Uh, There are special holidays in our country, aren't there, time when we get off to uh, uh, go ahead and enjoy leisure? Well, there are holidays all around the world, some which we celebrate, some which we may not. Uh, Anybody celebrate the Day of the Dead? Anyone? You sort of put some skulls out and skeletons and... You know, this is a big holiday uh, in Mexico and certain Latin American countries that goes all the way back to the Aztecs. And it's basically an opportunity for family to gather and pray for those uh, who have gone before them to support them on their spiritual journey. And so the Day of the Dead, what a fun time to be together. Well, it has become somewhat of a production uh, what about the Chinese New Year? Anybody support the, uh, celebrate the Chinese New Year? I think it's the year of the duck-billed platypus, actually. It's a brand new year. You know, they've been doing that. It's the year 4712 uh, for the Chinese. They've had civilization, and so they are uh, celebrate, they celebrate the New Year, and it's a big deal. There are holidays that have been created in the United States as well. Anybody, uh, anybody celebrate Festivus? <laughs> Festivus, December 23rd. Uh, an alternative holiday for uh, sort of grouchy people, I guess, in which you, ha- uh, you put up a festivus pole and uh, you air your grievances toward one another and you celebrate uh, feats of strength. Uh, it's wonderful. You know, I think we should have more holidays. Some of you have your own special days in your family, right? So, for instance, you may have your wedding anniversary. If you're married, you celebrate that. Why well, I want to extend that. Why don't we have anniversary for the first fight you had? Let's celebrate our first fight by going to Aldo's. Or let's celebrate the first breakup that we had, huh? Wasn't that a good time? You know, different people celebrate different days. And the question is, how are we supposed to celebrate the Sabbath? It's a special day in Christianity, isn't it? And yet it's viewed with a lot of different perspectives. There seems to be a a mystery to it. a, A power to it, a responsibility to it. And many of us live with uncertainty, even guilt, about the Sabbath. One of those questions we want to sweep under the rug uh, in, uh, in our Christianity. In the PCA, there is room for some different perspectives. You know, the PCA actually, uh, some different denominations joined in and there was different perspectives. And so, I will admit to you, there's room in the PCA regarding different perspectives on the Sabbath. But I'm going to give you the right one. The question is, how are we supposed to live the Sabbath in light of Christ? I'll suggest to you that the question, you cannot answer that question until you answer the question, why are we supposed to live the Sabbath in light of Christ? Because only when we understand why can we then move to understanding how. I want to suggest to you that rest is not bound up in a day. But rest is bound up in a person. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And Christ gives us the privilege of not having to earn rest, but rather living because we have received it. Well, let's look at three points to help unpack this statement. Number one, we need to know the purpose of Sabbath defined. What really is the purpose of it? Then we need to examine point two, the promise of Sabbath fulfilled. Something has happened with the coming of Christ that has transformed the Sabbath. The purpose of Sabbath defined, the promise of Sabbath fulfilled, and finally the practice of Sabbath performed. In light of Christ and what He has done, how are we supposed to live out the Sabbath on a week-to-week basis? Well, let's begin with the first point. The purpose of Sabbath defined. From the beginning of this passage, we sense that there is this tension between the Pharisees and Jesus. It's like they've done a stakeout with Him. They're trying to catch Him. You know, this first instance where they're walking through the grain fields, the Pharisees, excuse me, Jesus and his disciples, and they're picking, uh, you know, the different stalks of grain, the different heads of grain to eat. I mean, how are the Pharisees seeing this? It's like they're, they're tailing him or something. They're watching him very closely. Indeed, even in the synagogue, the Pharisees are watching him closely to see what it is that he's going to do on the Sabbath because they're hoping to accuse him. And so there is this irreconcilable difference between the religious establishment and between Jesus. And the Sabbath is really the flashpoint. The Sabbath sort of encapsulates all that is different between Jesus and the religious establishment. So we need to understand why, what is going on with the Sabbath and it's promoting such fury and anger. Well we need to understand that by looking at the Old Testament. If you remember, the Sabbath was created or was defined in the beginning with Jesus, with God the Father, right? God made everything and on the seventh day, He rested from His work. He proclaimed creation good and on the seventh day, He rested from His work. This seventh day, this resting, went to the Israelites when, when God brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And He... Uh, He gave them a new name. They were his people. They were to live under his law and he was going to bless them. And as he uh, gave these ten commandments on Mount Sinai to Moses and he came down, one of them was Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord our God. On it you shall not do any work you or your son or daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. Four in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. But the Sabbath was even more important because the Sabbath was a sign of the covenant. In other words, we, un- we understand that there are, or we'll use the word sacrament. It was sacrament. It had a special place. God said, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. See, when God uh, took these people to themselves, he made a covenant with them. And all covenants are accompanied by sacraments. So, for instance, the New Testament that we uh, have, there are two sacraments that go along with it, right? Communion and baptism. The Sabbath was a sacrament. A sacrament is a sign and a seal that represents in visual form what that covenant is. So, when you uh, get married, if you get married, you give them a ring, right? It's a communicative sign that shows something about marriage, that it's forever. That it's uh, wealth, it's uh, priceless, it's, it's costly. All of these things are bound up in this sign. And so the sign comes here that God says the Sabbath will be a sign. The Sabbath is communicating the covenant. This day that you are to have rest and not work. The seventh day. Well that leads to the question that the Pharisees have. What exactly equals work? And they start trying to figure this out. And they came up with these rules, they're called the 40 minus 1. And it's everything related to what you can prepare for food, how you travel, all of these different things. For instance, regarding travel. In the beginning, they said that you can travel no further than 2,000 cubits, a Sabbath day walk, which is about 0.61 miles. But then they reasoned, you need to be able to go outside the city sometimes. So really, what it means is we can go to the edge of the city, and that doesn't count, but we can go 0.61 miles outside the city somewhere. Well, they came up with some reason that that wasn't good enough, and so they shifted it to 1.2 miles. And then they said, well, people have got to get back. So it was 2.4 miles at the end of the day, and it kept on shifting and changing as the Pharisees tried to figure out what work meant. See, the Pharisees are upset about these two things, grain and healing. Because you were not permitted to do what the disciples are doing on the Sabbath. See, they were, the, the disciples were reaping and threshing and winnowing and preparing. It was a fourfold violation of the 40 minus 1. And when Jesus goes ahead and He heals this person on the Sabbath... Unless a person is near death, healing can wait. Only three reasons to heal on the Sabbath. Number one, uh, if a woman is giving birth. Thank goodness, right? Hold it. You got to wait. You got to wait, right? Okay, if if there was a life-threatening injury, if there was a a birth or if there was circumcision, if it's not one of those, you got to wait. And so Jesus healing on the Sabbath is directly going against the interpretation of work that has been created by the Pharisees. But you see they've missed the point of sacrament. That the sacrament is a sign and so what does it really mean to rest on the seventh day? This rest is a promise of the covenant. It's a reward of the covenant. It's a blessing that is supposed to occur when this covenant is fulfilled. There are really two elements of it. The first is God says if you obey my covenant and you will enter into this land and you will have rest from your enemies. There will no longer be Egyptians and other countries who will enslave you. So there's a safety aspect of it. But there's another aspect and that is that you will enter a land flowing with milk and honey. It will be a place of flourishing. It will be a place of wholeness. It will be a place of shalom. Shalom doesn't simply mean peace. It means wholeness. It means rightness. It means everything about life as it was meant to be. Remember, God rested on the seventh day, but God did not rest because He was tired. God doesn't get tired. Rather, what God was communicating on that seventh day was shalom, all is right. And so on the seventh day, He did not need to make anything more. He rested. And so the promise of this covenant, it's an if-then. If you obey, which one of those things includes Sabbath or Shabbat, you will receive shalom. See, Shabbat is supposed to represent shalom. They are inseparable from one another. This seventh day of rest is more than simply ceasing from work. It's experiencing fullness and wholeness of God. See, what the Pharisees have done wrong is they've separated Shabbat from shalom. Sabbath is simply a work. It's another one of the regulations rather than the sacrament and the sign of all that the Israelites are seeking to have. All that God promises if they obey His commands. And Shabbat cannot be separated from Shalom. I don't know if you know the story much about Ellis Island. Um, It was the gateway for people who were immigrating to the United States. Between 1905 and 1914 an average of one million immigrants per year arrived in the United States. And they went through Ellis Island. Two-thirds of those were coming from Eastern Europe and Southern and Central Europe as politics became larger and larger, leading to World War I. Often 5,000 came a day and had to be processed. Why did they come? They came to escape war. They came looking for rest. They came searching for a better life. And some found it. But as much as there are success stories with Ellis Island, there are failures. Do you know Ellis Island's other name was the Island of Tears? Some would come, but they wouldn't be allowed to stay. The government wanted you to have about 18 to 24 dollars in order to be able to support yourself. If they determined that you were going to be a burden on society, if you had some sort of lasting sickness, emotional problems, physical problems, they might turn you away. The island of tears. But for the rest who had made it, who had managed to somehow make it to the United States and make it into the United States, it was anything but rest that they found on the other side of Ellis Island. Because they came into New York, didn't know the language, didn't have any money or skills, and were easy prey for the predators who were looking to pick off people and to use them. And so many of them settled in the squalid ghettos of New York and New Jersey in these sweatshops where they toiled enslaved. You know they were looking for Shabbat but maybe what they found was survival. I think one of the reasons why much like the greatest generation we think of those people is not that they found Shabbat but somehow they managed to survive. Shabbat shalom is what we need. More than simply rest. The blessing of wholeness. But you see in the Old Testament, it's on the seventh day. It's earned. If I put in my time, if I obey, I will get rest. And so many of us don't really in the end think that we can ever experience shalom. So we just try to settle for Sabbath. God, I just want rest. I just want an absence of conflict in my life. I just want to have enough money where I can stave off whatever difficulties come. I just want to have enough health. I just want to have enough peace. And so, we make a covenant with God. It's an if-then. It's an earn-get. I don't know what your covenant is. The agreement that you put together and signed on the dotted line. Maybe it is a religious one. I mean, after all, you are here. Where you've said to God, I will be the right person. I'll do good. I'll keep my nose clean. I'll obey the rules. I'll be part of the good guys. Because I know that if I can do that, if I will do that, you promise that you'll give me rest. Maybe not Shalom, but at least Sabbath but the truth is none of us can do it much like the Pharisees we begin to bend the rules I'll be faithful to my spouse except when I'll do this with my money except then I'll treat people this way but in this circumstance no I won't we try to bend the rules to make them work but the truth of the matter is you'll never see the seventh day The Pharisees still believe they can make it, they'll never. They'll fall along the side of the road. And religion is littered with the dead bodies. The island of tears of those who at some point gave up on the seventh day covenant. Maybe you're experiencing some sort of Sabbath on your way with that type of covenant. But I can guarantee you, you're not experiencing shalom. What is needed is not more effort, what is needed is a different covenant, a different contract, a different way to live that ensures not simply our survival, but our shalom. This brings me to my second point, that the promise of Sabbath has been fulfilled. I not only come to give you bad news, I come to give you good news. Because Christ comes to fulfill the promise of Shabbat shalom. How does he do this? He realigns the rules in this passage. He gives food to the hungry. He provides healing to the hurting. He puts Sabbath in its place. He realigns the rules of what it is. But he also realigns the reason for Sabbath. He says in Mark 2.27 that the Sabbath was not made for man. A Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. See, he's saying that the Sabbath is not a slave master. He's a servant. The Sabbath is not a rule that hangs over your head, but rather it's a gift. He realigns the rules, he realigns the reason, and he realigns the ruler. He says to the disciples, excuse me, the the Pharisees who see uh, the disciples eating, why do you allow them to do that? And Jesus said, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him? See, by David's authority, he made this decision. And now the Pharisees are in a quagmire because he's the king, right? He's David, the representative of the people. To say that David did something wrong is to impugn the leader. And so Jesus says, much like David, I am the one who is Lord over the Sabbath. I am the king, the approved one, the representative of the people. And so I determine and have the authority to show what Sabbath is. Christ comes to fulfill the promise, and this is how he fulfills it. See, in the Old Testament, you work for six days and then you rest. And no one ever makes it to the seventh day. No one ever has except for one. Jesus Christ came and worked and was obedient and lived in such a way to fulfill every requirement of holiness. Jesus is the one of all the ones who entered into the Sabbath rest finding no fault from the Father. And yet though He should receive rest, He gives rest to us and takes punishment instead. He gives us a land flowing with milk and honey and He receives the cross. See, the the scandal of the gospel is six days of obedience for Christ and no rest and yet for us, six days of failure and shalom. Christ endured the ultimate injustice That he might procure the ultimate love. And so the rest is not bound up in a day but in a person. Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, not that of the Pharisees, and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. See, there's consequences for this new Sabbath that Jesus has created. Because the Sabbath is on the seventh day, but the Sunday is on the first. Sunday is the day that becomes the day of worship and remembering the new Sabbath to the early church. Jesus is raised on Sunday in the resurrection. He appears to the disciples numerous times on Sunday. Pentecost is on Sunday. The first sermon preached is on Sunday. The first baptisms are on Sunday. The first day becomes the day. See, the Sabbath is no longer mentioned in the epistles except to illustrate the old way of thinking. And so the seventh day and the first day represent different realities. The seventh day Sabbath signifies work earning it, receiving it afterwards. But the first day represents grace. It's given. It's a gift. It's a blessing to you because you are a new creation. Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God and so my friends we no longer have to live for the seventh day but we can live from the first because his life has given us life there are several species of animals that birth is so painful to them is so hard that they literally give their life in order to bring life I don't know if you've heard about the legendary uh, salmon runs of uh, the pacific salmon and the atlantic salmon well these these fish it's really quite unbelievable they swim all the way out it takes a process and they go out into the ocean and at some point there's this homing sense they know it's time to go home and they'll start a 2000 mile journey and what's utterly astounding and they don't even understand it yet is that salmon will go 2000 miles various tributaries and streams and ultimately end up at the very same place where it was born. But the amount of effort it takes, you've all seen the grizzly bears, right? Waiting as these fish do something that really you're not supposed to do. Swim upstream, constantly exhaustingly working their body to get to this place. And for the few who do, And are able to lay their eggs they're so exhausted that they die. You see it's in their death that they bring life. Jesus Christ in His death has made a new creation and a new covenant that we no longer have to live for the seventh day but to live from the first. See in the seventh day no Savior is needed. You're the Savior and a bad one at that. But in the first day a Savior is provided who is kind and powerful and gracious. And so we must embrace Christ. Tear up your religious contract, your seventh day plan. Take your eyes off of yourself and put your eyes on Him and learn to live from rest rather than for rest rooted in Christ. When the world shouts at me, it's a seventh day plan. Look to Christ. Look from Him. Remember the cross. The cross and Jesus Christ's life is designed to give us Sabbath and Shalom at the same time. That we can live out of that. The challenge of the world is that the world does not promise or give either of those things. And so sometimes it feels like a salmon swimming uh, swimming upstream. But we swim up not to die, but rather to live. And so when you are tempted to fall back into that old plan of religion, when you feel that sense of longing, when you feel that sense of discouragement, Remember that rest is not bound up in your efforts. It's not bound up in a day. It's bound up in a person. So don't live to earn rest. Live because you have received it. This brings me to the final point. If we've talked about the Sabbath, now we need to talk about the practice of Sabbath performed. Carlos, this is great. This has helped me to understand why. Now the question I have is how? How am I supposed to live out the Sabbath? My answer is, it depends. What is God calling you to do? The Sabbath is a gift that God has given to you. And we need it for different things. But one thing is clear. That the Sabbath is flexible. Romans 14, 5 through 6. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord and they give thanks. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord. You see, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And so the Sabbath has meant different things to different people based on their conscience. Remember Eric Little from Chariots of Fire? His conscience said to him, I should not run on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a day for doing that. And so I will not. Was Eric Little right? Yes. For Eric Little he was. For you, I don't know what it is. But here are a couple of things that can help you. Sort of principles of why you should be or how you should be spending your time. the Sabbath whether it's all day whether it's part of day whether not working whether working whatever that means to you three things number one the Sabbath is a time for celebration there's a rhythm of life if you haven't noticed night and day seasons tides there's a time for us to pause and reflect and Sabbath is a time for celebration Oh, yeah, I remember it is the first day and it's not the seventh. It's the day in which I live out of. It's a day to remember that I have a Savior, one who has rescued me and freed me. It's the reason that we have church on the Sabbath, isn't it? We need to be encouraged. We need to celebrate in song and in fellowship. It's a time for celebration. So, how do you celebrate on the Sabbath? I don't know. Maybe it's your family gathering around the dinner table and looking at the scriptures, encouraging one another. Maybe it's being with your spouse or with a friend and gathering together to celebrate. It's a time for celebration, but it's also a time for contemplation. We have to take time to think. There's so much about what Christ has done in this promises of the gospel, it's so deep that we can swim as deep as we can and never touch the bottom. And so we need a time to celebrate but also a time to contemplate. Maybe you need to go for a walk in the woods and be among God's creation. I do. A time of quiet. Maybe to read a book in your backyard and just to think about what this means that Christ has given me rest. How do you spend your Sabbath? Celebration, contemplation, and I'll say the last one which is recreation. Recreation, some people call it. But the key word is recreation, isn't it? To be renewed and restored. To experience in physical form the rest that God has promised us spiritually. And so maybe for some of you working in your garden and mowing your lawn is a time of recreation. I enjoy it. It helps my spirit. It renews me. I often play tennis on Sunday. I enjoy it. It's fun. It's good. I even t- will tell people I'm a pastor. It's amazing. I'm reckless, you know? It's a time of recreation. What do you need to do to recreate? The Sabbath is a gift, it's a time for celebration contemplation, recreation. I don't know how you should spend your Sabbath but I know why you should spend it. And a gift is meant to be opened. So I encourage you to think about your Sabbath and how is God calling you to use it. The Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. Rest is not bound up in a day, it's bound up in a person. So live from the first day, not for the seventh. Don't live to earn rest, but live because you have received it. It's a reminder of what He has done and who you are. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Sabbath. We thank You for Your Sabbath rest. Lord, every day is a Sabbath in You. Lord, we thank You That you give us this rhythm of life and this first day to celebrate to contemplate to recreate lord as you continue to show and reveal yourself to us in new ways lord help us to live lives from the first day not for the seventh day because life will be a time of celebration and wonder and mystery but not a time in which we don't understand who you are and don't trust what you've done but rather We know that you propel us and move us out into the world as you take us on this journey ever closer to being in your physical rest and shalom that all may have shalom in this world. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.